to RX Rounds, a podcast that focuses on health education in the Caribbean community. I am your host, Alandra Mitchell. Hi, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of RX Rounds in our COVID-19 series. Firstly, I would like to thank all of our listeners for their comments and feedback, and I'm happy to introduce some of your recommendations in our upcoming episodes. Now today, with me is a friend who is also a pharmacist, Dr. Sarah Ofori. She is a pharmacy fellow at Pfizer Pharmaceuticals in the Global Medical Affairs Department. And we'll be talking today about some of the drugs in relation to COVID-19. Now, a lot of you have been asking, should I be taking ibuprofen? Should I stop my ACE inhibitors or ARBs? What about these medications that the U.S. president talked about, chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine? Are those safe for treatment in COVID-19? Well, today, Dr. Ofori and I are going to answer some of those questions based on clinical evidence we have found. So thanks for joining us, Sarah. Hi, Alandra. Thank you so much for having me on. I greatly appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Um, Like you said, my name is Sarah Fori. I'm currently a postdoctoral fellow in global medical affairs within the Division of Inflammation and Immunology at Pfizer. I spent a a lot of my time with the drugs, like you mentioned, but more in terms of analyzing um, clinical studies, looking at other data to support the drugs and ultimately to get the drugs onto onto the market. I am from Caribbean background, so I am Grenadian. I have lots of family still back home and it's such a pleasure to talk to someone that is from the Caribbean as well, such as yourself. Great, it's a pleasure to chat with you too because I do have some Grenadian families, so it's kind of nice to get in touch with other folks from there. So let's talk a little bit about what's happening in Grenada. Um, I talk a lot about what's going on in Trinidad here. A lot of folks know that schools are being closed, well, have been closed. Um, bars, recreation, recreational facilities are shut down. A lot of folks are being sent home to work from home. So it's a lot of changes happening in Trinidad. What's going on in Grenada? Well, similar to Trinidad, Grenada has adapted a lot of the same restrictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, schools have been closed for a while now. They also moved recently to stop all commercial flights from coming in. Right. So that was a big a big move. And even prior to that, they were asking for um, only Grenada nationals to return in. And then they would assess to see if they were at risk in terms of had they been to any of the countries with a higher impact of the COVID-19 virus. Mm-hmm. And then for non-nationals that were that were interested in coming in, they were also um, screening them and seeing if they had been to those countries. And depending on if they were, they would be allowed to come in or not. And then additionally, they made uh, further steps in terms of funeral arrangements. So to make all funeral arrangements private, um, as you know, Islanders, uh, we love to have funerals outside. We like to have crowds and things like that. But given the the seriousness of this virus and how contagious it is, the government moved to, to stop funeral gatherings. And um, as of Sunday, yesterday, we had our first confirmed case of COVID-19 on the island. So now, 
like Trinidad, most people are work from home until they can figure out exactly what is going on in terms of contact tracing and how many individuals have been exposed to this person that has a confirmed case. Yeah, it's so great that, you know, we're seeing a lot of the steps being taken so quickly in the islands, you know, seeing what's happening in Italy and what has happened in China and even in the U.S. because uh, right now New York is kind of transitioning into the situation that we kind of see in Italy. So it's really good to see that our Caribbean islands are taking it seriously, taking those actions early before things happen and it gets really rampant in the countries. Exactly, exactly. And let me just add to um, cruise ships have, have also been banned from coming in as well. So it's not just the um, airline industry that has you know, been halted. The cruise ship industry, which is pretty big to the, the Caribbean as well, have also been asked to not disembark on our shores. Yeah, and it's the same in Trinidad. So, yeah, I think all of the islands are adapting that. Well, there's a lot of social media posts about medications um, that should and should not be used for this virus. And I know as pharmacists, you and I kind of see those things and we're like, okay, let me look it up. Let me find all the information. Um, make sure that this is credible, but um, we need to look at the evidence associated with these recommendations. And I kind of wanted us to chat a little bit about some of those things today. So let's start with the ACE inhibitors and ARBs that they mentioned, because I'm not sure if you heard about this. There was a recommendation that patients should stop using um, their ACE inhibitors and ARBs uh, while this virus is being so rampant. Yes, I actually saw that as well. And it was quite interesting that that was a recommendation, mm-hmm. uh, seeing that also they were looking into Losartan, a very common ARB, as a potential treatment at the same time. But um, the evidence that they, they posted in this particular study against it really wasn't sufficient as to argue why anyone shouldn't take it. Yeah. And um, if you look at a benefit-risk ratio, I think there is definitely more good to come from consistently taking these drugs to manage, you know, blood pressure as opposed to not take them at a risk of exposing yourself to COVID-19 or being more susceptible to COVID-19, which is what the assumption was. Right. And these medications, ACE inhibitors, as we call them, they're those medications that end with pril, you know, um, enalapril, captopril, um, ramipril. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So those medications are quite common, especially in the Caribbean, for patients, like you mentioned, who um, may have hypertension, high blood pressure, or even heart failure. It's one of the common meds used in heart exactly. failure patients. And then we have the ARBs, the uh, angiotensin receptor blockers. These are all of the drugs that end with sartin. So, you know, you like you mentioned, Losartan, which is a very common one we see in the Caribbean. Um, the recommendation to actually stop these medications can be really detrimental. Um, patients who are taking these medications need to be on them for their specific conditions. So, you know, we, we're looking at the evidence and it's just not enough to say, stop using this med. You know, you might want to talk to your doctor specifically about, you know, your risk for COVID-19 and the fact that you're on the drug as well. Uh, Definitely do not stop taking your medication without having a conversation with your primary care physician. Yes, I echo that 100%. 
So the other one I saw um, specifically with COVID-19 is the use of ibuprofen um, in infected patients. And this one was a little bit tricky. When I was looking at the data, um, it seemed like some of those global organizations started saying, you know, maybe you should not use ibuprofen. And they said, well, there's not enough evidence to support this. What have you found? So just like you, I saw a piece of literature going around from, I believe it was from a French journal or something of that sort, which mentioned that individuals should not be taking ibuprofen and other drugs within the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug class, so NSAIDs. And it was believed that there was some enzyme within the the drug class that would make individuals more susceptible to getting COVID-19. But that was just from this one institution coming out of France. But at at the same time, there was no evidence, like you mentioned, to support that this is actually correct. And though, like you mentioned, the World Health Organization, along with the European Medical Agency, so EMA, um, mentioned that there is no, again, no literature to support this, that individuals can take NSAIDs and other other anti-inflammatory agents to you know, alleviate pain or whatever it is that they may have been using, using it for. So for individuals with arthritis, they can continue taking it without having a risk of, you know, getting COVID-19 as opposed to, you know, not taking it at all. Right. So I'm not sure exactly where this act, this evidence came from. I'm also um, not sure who thought it would be good to put it out there because uh, this is a piece of medical literature that circulated on social media. And I'm not sure if you saw this as well, but many individuals on um, a lot of these social platforms were sharing it. And, you know, it makes the general public concerned about are they at a greater risk for COVID-19? Right. And because of that, you know, there's definitely a lot of folks who are still going to be a little bit anxious about ibuprofen, and that's okay. But we want to make sure that you know there are other medications within the class that you can take. Exactly. And for the individuals that probably are still concerned about ibuprofen, like you mentioned, there are other drugs within the NSAID class that they can take. And then also Tylenol is always a good option. Yes. Now let's transition into some of the medications that are being tested and used in clinical trials for the treatment of COVID-19. We're seeing now some of the HIV medications are being targeted as treatments for COVID-19. And I thought this was interesting because a lot of folks talk about when HIV started to become rampant, there was so much talk about what we're going to do. We don't know what drugs are there. So it's interesting to know that people are going back to those medications and seeing what works and what doesn't. And that very much makes the situation a little bit easier in terms of development of medication. However, you know, when you look at the trials um, with these drugs, there's not a lot of efficacy associated with the use of such medications. Agreed on that as well with the HIV medications that they looked at first, so Lepronavir and Ritonavir. Um, there was no efficacy in individuals that had COVID-19 in terms of decreasing the viral load or stopping the, um, the symptoms associated with COVID-19. And then they looked at Remdesivir, which is um, another common HIV medication. And that one showed some promise 
but we're still waiting for you know clear results we yeah. have nothing concrete as such right now yeah so lopinavir and ritonavir that's a combination medication that has seen we've seen for a long time for hiv and the brand name is actually kalitra um one of the other ones that i saw and has been very popular kind of blew up overnight um is chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine and the reason this blew up pretty fast was because uh, the U.S. president made a statement that it's a um, groundbreaking drug, I think was the words that he used. And there are so many things that goes into these trials and to knowing what medications are um, going to be able to be used and safe to use for patients. Um, some of the things I found with uh, chloroquine is that there are trials and there have been some um, good information associated with its use. However, there's a combination that is being recommended with hydroxychloroquine um, to be used with azithromycin, which we know as a Zitromax. It's a antibiotic medication. And the recommendation is to have hydroxychloroquine, 200 milligrams, three times a day for 10 days, and then azithromycin, 500 milligrams on the first day, and then 250 milligrams for an extra five days. So there's a lot to talk about with this combination of meds. And I think I really want to start with the fact that there is an increased risk of QT prolongation when we think of these combinations. So for folks that are not familiar, I know these are a lot of big words and things that we, we don't really talk about on a day-to-day, -day, but really the heart's activity is measured by an EKG or what's called an electrocardiogram. And the actions of the heart to sustain life are identified by P, Q, R, and S, you know, those letters of the alphabet. So this represents the time that it takes for the heart to contract and relax. So when the distance between the P, sorry, the Q and the T is prolonged, it slows down the heart, and the Q, that's kind of what we know as QT prolongation. So QT prolongation is a side effect of the combination of these two medications, and they can lead to things like fainting and seizures and even sudden death. So there are a lot of risks associated with this combination of medications. Very well said. Um, when you mentioned hydroxychloroquine, uh, uh, I, I chuckled on the inside because I think that has been a topic of conversation ever since that um, that briefing by the U.S. president in terms of the you know groundbreaking a drug that is supposedly FDA approved. And first of all, I just want to clarify that that isn't true. There is no FDA-approved medications for COVID-19. This is um, only anecdotal uh, evidence that we have. There are clinical trials that have um, been put in place. But as of right now, again, there there is no medications that are approved for COVID-19. Um, but like you mentioned, hydroxychloroquine, um, very old drug, it's used in several diseases, malaria, as you mentioned, also for lupus, rheumatoid arthritis as well. And for some, for some reason, you know, in terms of trying to figure out what agents may be good for the treatment of COVID-19, I, I guess individuals felt like, you know, let's try this because I believe it was also 
tried in Ebola and Ebola, Zika. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They used it and they saw some type of evidence. So again, they maybe thought, well, as a virus as well, let's give it give it a try. And um, there, there was one open-label, non-randomized clinical trial that was recently published in the International Journal of Antimicrobial Agents, and it looked at hydroxychloroquine, and it was given to about 36 patients, so it was non-randomized. In the patient population included uh, 20 individuals that were testing positive for COVID-19, and then there was um, the remainder that uh, tested positive, but they were just given supportive care like any other. And what they found is that after the trial, of, which was a 14-day period, that individuals on hydroxychloroquine had um, less symptoms mm-hmm. than those that received supportive care. So it's believed that you know hydroxychloroquine does have some activity against the drug. And because of that, you now we see a lot of individuals trying to get access to it. And you know in the Caribbean, um, there the protocols to access drugs are a little bit different from the U.S. as you may be familiar with. So I think it's a great point that you mentioned the adverse events of it in hopes in hopes to um, reduce the number of individuals thinking that they should go ahead and take hydroxychloroquine in order to prevent them getting the virus and things like that. And the point that you made on QT prolongation is is so important because for a virus that seems to affect the elderly population more and yeah. and this is a population that also has you know a lot of cardiac issues it's so important that they be mindful and wait until a healthcare professional advises them to take it and even the, even so we also need to wait to get concrete evidence about this drug right yeah and even that specific combination that's been you know floating around so nonchalantly i should say on news and social media as well Exactly. Well, that's all I have, Sarah. Any other drugs that you've heard of that might be um, good for us to introduce into this episode? Well, at this time, this this is the major ones. Um, I would probably say, um, as a West Indian, off the record in terms of pharmaceutical agents, mm-hmm. we strongly believe in our herbal teas. So our um, ginger, turmeric, lemongrass. I, I believe somewhere they may have some type of uh, ability to help with the symptomatic control. But again, nothing in terms of potential cures on the way um, that that I know of. Yeah, that's a really good point because um, we often look to some of those things for you know building our immune system. I was hearing a lot of stuff on. Um, from family members if they should increase their vitamin C intake and things like that. And there's really just so much vitamin Z you can absorb. So, you know, the keynote thing here is make sure you wash your hands, cover your mouth when coughing and sneezing, Um, make sure you're not in big groups and try to stay at least six feet away from individuals. You know, those are the key things here. Granted, if you love your herbal medicines, you like drinking your teas, go ahead and do it. But don't think that's the be-all, end-all and the cure for this uh, virus. Definitely agree with all of that. Yeah. So, um, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about some of these meds. Uh, This has definitely been probably one of the most eye-opening episodes, I'm sure folks will agree. Um, But 
is there any way we can reach out to you uh, via social media? Absolutely. Thank you again for having me on Herlantra. I greatly enjoyed our chat. For individuals that have any questions or would like to reach out to me, they can um, follow me on Instagram. My name is R-X-O-F-O-R-I. Um, that's probably the best way to get in contact with me. Awesome. All right. Thanks again, Sarah. Thank you as well. As Dr. Ofori mentioned, there are no drugs at this time clinically approved for the treatment or cure of COVID-19. Many organizations are making huge strides into development of vaccines and other medications, as well as testing existing medications, some of which we talked about in this episode. It is therefore so important for you to speak to your doctor before starting any new medications or stopping any existing medications, as they may cause some serious adverse effects in the future. That's it for now. Please check out our website, rxrounds.com, for more information on today's guest, Dr. Sarah Ofori. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. And we'll see you next round on Rx Rounds.